we have shared this always with our team about integrity. And that's how this integrity gave birth to our current brand, Proptilin Brothers. Our tagline is real estate with integrity because of the past experience whereby we were looking at this business, we were looking at our customers with a very wrong kind of perspective and lens. In the past 2007 to 2012, we were always looking at customers as walking commissions. Mm, right? Dollar sign. Dollar sign. Like yeah. this customer is worth 10,000. This customer, if I close, is worth 20,000. Mm. This customer is worth 30,000. So I think when that happens, the motive of doing the business is wrong because it becomes a part more of like, what can I get out of this deal? Not for the part of what problem and value can I solve for the customer? In this episode of Hashtag Highly Sought After, I had a chat with Melvin Lim, the CEO and co-founder of Property Lim Brothers Team, one of Singapore's most well-known real estate brands. He also founded and spearheaded the backbone of Property Lim Brothers' in-house media team, which is dedicated to crafting unique angles for each client, putting the real in real estate. Now, Melvin was also a two-time millionaire realtor in Propnex for the year 2019 and 2020. His property videos have already garnered over 49 million views and his team hit a record high of 379 property sales over two years. So how did Property Lim Brothers stood out from the competition and stay top of every Singaporean's mind? Well, Melvin is in the house. So let's find out. Now, Melvin, I have to ask you this question. How Have you always wanted to be a real estate agent? Right. Uh, hi, Rick. Uh, so, um, I, I didn't even know this, this industry exists. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I have, um, always been, um, doing a lot of different part-time jobs when I was young. Yeah. So a lot of sales related stuff being the retail line and, and, uh, my very first job was actually as a, as a prison officer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> prison officer to real estate agent. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Very big jump. <laughs> yeah. So as a prison officer under Ministry of Home Affairs, that was my very first full time. Um, um, and uh, in fact, the, the dabbling into the the prison officer space um, happened uh, after I dropped out of my uni uni uh, after a year two uh, university degree. So I completed my uni uh, during that three years uh, as a prison officer. So, so um, I think uh, the the transition happens because um, during my third year as a prison officer, I happened to chance upon a, a friend. Uh, and he shared with me that, you know, he's in the, in the real estate space. He just started off as a first year realtor and that got me interested. And, uh, what did he say during mm-hmm. about the first year that got you interested? Right. Uh, so the very first thing, because I was very young at that time, uh, I was already married. Um, I also had my first uh, child. Uh, so. Uh, when he showed me that, you know, uh, he's always showing houses, meeting people every day, doing sales. And, uh, of course, as a very young person, the, the key is that he mentioned that he's, he's like clocking five figures a month, right? So being a prison officer, uh, back then it was a very stable job. Uh, I, I got into the, the job because I wanted a very stable income. Mm. Um, I wanted to get married young, uh, immediately after three months in, as a prison officer, once I got my three months pay slip, uh, me and my wife, we got, we got our first HDB property. Very efficient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we got married very young, uh, have, um, our first child at a very young age. And, um, when he mentioned about the few Keating sales, real estate, and then of course, um, the chance to, to have no limit to your income, that was, that was the, the, the key thing that struck me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and it resonated because, uh, since, um, a very young age, I've, I've dabbled always in doing like door to door sales. Being selling credit cards on on road shows during my uni days, um, doing a bit of retail stuff. So the connection that you know I have a chance to do sales um, really give me that that renewed interest to see you know whether I should dabble into this industry. Fantastic. Yeah. Now I have another question. Now, Property Lim Brothers, right, mm. has been a well known name mm. here in Singapore, <laughs> right? If you ask anybody, they will know your company. What I'm very curious to know is what were some of the key inflection points mm. during this last 14 years that led to the success today? Right. So, um, I started full time, uh, at during 2007. Yeah. So, so you're right. That's, that's about 14 years back. 
Um, back then, when I came out um, from my full-time job, I still remember the very first thing was there were a lot of objections uh, from my friends and families. They were all saying that, hey, you really have a very stable job. You know, um, as a prison officer, by default, you can go all the way to 50 years old. Um, the, back then, in my third year, I was also... Um, offered the position of an emplacement to a senior officer. So my parents were saying like, you know, you already have your first kid. Mm. Um, why don't you just stay in this very stable career? Correct. And um, I, I learned a lot of things during that three years because the, the most in, important things that I uh, took out from that job is that um, I get to interact a lot with um, inmates and we're doing a lot of rehabilitation mm. um, so that the conversations that I have every day, it really... Uh, grew me as a person. Although there was some part of the job that I didn't like because I believe that in every profession, there'll be some portions that we like, some portions that probably we, we don't like. 100%. Yeah, so, yeah. so they're, they're very mundane tasks, uh, but they were also very interesting learning points. Yeah, but I think the, the very first uh, thing, the, the key inflection point was that when I came out, um, I realized it's a whole new industry. A whole new industry. I have zero experience. Uh, my friend back then, uh, I joined him. Uh, so he, he became my immediate manager. Uh, he was about one year in the industry, but he was also uh, pretty new, but he's very helpful. He's always there for me. Mm. But, um, that particular 07 period, I still remember the very first week when I entered into the office. Uh, the industry was so different from now because everybody look at this young guy as like a comp competition, oh. right? Because, um, and I entered, uh, to this company together with my current business partner, uh, Adrian. So we resigned together as prison officers. We joined. And, uh, the feeling that we get is that people are just thinking like anyone that joins the industry is a competition and mm. nobody wants to share anything. Yeah. And so the first week is like we were alone and, uh, we, we tried to, uh, build rapport with a lot of the old birds in Correct. the company and um through the years of course we, we made we made friends but i still remember the culture was that people are usually a little bit more apprehended yeah mm. and they they they, they see new scarcity right yes that's right mm. yeah so there was this particular incident that i remember i saw this um very experienced agent close a deal and they were chatting about it with the other old birds so so me and adrian were like uh, trying to ask him hey you know how do you how do you close this deal uh, is it okay to share has a yes. little bit of tips because we're, we're very new we're just one month how do we get clients and stuff yeah so so one of them uh told us okay who's your manager go ask your manager so and then he turned around back so so that was that was that kind of culture back then and uh, sometimes we ask them hey, how do you close this deal that deal they will say oh it's by luck and it's a one sentence kind of stuff so so when we look back um from now compared to the past, I, I think that now is fantastic because there's so many ways to learn things. Mm. Um people become more open nowadays. Um you can learn so many things from YouTube. There's enormous amount of trainings in real estate agencies and I think the culture has really changed mm. through time for the past 14 years. So the the very first inflection point was about how do we become independent mm. and um coming out from a, a job to become like a, a solopreneur, uh, the independence and being humble at the same time, being very thick skinned to mm. learn on the ground, uh, knocking on, on walls. And, uh, that, that grew us, um, very quickly into a more mature person. So the very first point is that I think, uh, the shift towards independence, um, second point happened, uh, during the year 20, um, 20, 2010. Uh, three years later. Three years later. So three years later, uh, we were three years old as a as a realtor. Um, we started to realize that hey, it's not really just about selling real estate. Mm. No, because because our initial impression is that when you become a realtor, all you need to do is to sell houses. That's right. right? But three years in the industry, we realized that this is not just a salesperson job. It is a business, right? Because the business has so many different portions. In the first place, as a brand new agent or even as an experienced agent, how do you consistently get people to want to let you sell their houses? That's the very first question. How do you consistently attract people to contact you and say, that, hey, I'm looking to buy or invest a property. Mm. Can you help me? Can you sure. provide me uh, advice? So we realized that lead generation is a huge chunk of the business because even if we are very good, let's say, for example, we, we have knowledge, we have um, um, expertise, knowledge, and, and we are really good at the job. 
but how do we attract people to want to seek our services? Exactly. Yeah. So, so lead gen, we realize is a huge chunk. Uh, marketing the property is the second huge chunk. Thirdly is, uh, how do you, um, build a system within this business? So, so we realized that, um, the second inflection point is that we, we need to run it as a business, uh, because if we want to have longevity, we want to play the long game. We want to be very good for the customers. We need to have a very sustainable growth. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, that's also the part at the three years mark that we realized that a lot of our colleagues and, and realtors, they always have this very up and down cycle in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, up and down meaning that at a lot of times, uh, their sales picked up in a certain month and, um, that's the time where they have a lot of listings to sell. Mm. That's a lot. That's the time that they have a lot of buyers to serve. Mm. But the moment they finish closing those deals, their sales drop. And when their sales drop, that's the time that they start to realize, Hey, you know, I, I don't have any listings anymore to sell. Um, no buyers to serve these two months. Okay. Let me do some marketing. Mm. Let so me it's do very reaction. Reaction. reaction based yes and it's always yeah. an up and down kind of thing. Right. uh let me do some prospecting during my spare time you know so so there's no consistency and we realize that's not even just for new agents it's even for very experienced agents until today so uh that was a a, a shift in our mindset wow. on running on the business third point was uh 2012 that is five years in the business um i suffered a burnout um that that burnout event, uh, basically made me start to think more about life. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that was also, that was also the year that, um, I have my third child and, um, I was already a dad, three kids, um, stable family. But, um, at 2012, that burnout happened because I was, um, chasing success too much. Yeah. So, so, um, being very young, ambitious, um, I have this, this thing from childhood, you know, that I always want to prove, uh, to people that I can make it, right? So, so perhaps it's, it's during my, my, my younger days, um, conversations in the family. Uh, my parents were great parents and, and we come from a, a medium low income family. Mm. Uh, my dad is a sole breadwinner. So, so my dad is always a very hardworking, responsible guy, but the conversations at home as, um, me and my siblings grew up has always been revolving hearing about uh money mm. right like parents will always say it's very hard to earn money um uh don't spend too much um you know in in future when you grow up just get a stable job uh save more money so it's always about money right um so on one hand we see our parents being very hard working my mom is a stay-at-home mom on the second hand is that we see that they struggle with um the money topic although they do their best to provide for us. We are very thankful and they have always been for the family. But we just felt that as you grew up always hearing about money topic, you start to grow up with the fear that is it because money is a big thing that you have to overcome? Second thing is that uh, we need a lot of money, mm. right? So so we grew up with that thing, even for my siblings as well. So um, that 2012 event happened because I was chasing a lot of success. Mm. Um, I wanted to prove to people. So I started to buy, you know, expensive watches, uh, change to a luxury car. And then, uh, I suffered a burnout. And, and that, that burnout was, was a state whereby there was even a point that I was very afraid to pick up my phone because my phone was ringing nonstop. Mm. And uh, I just felt like, wow, I was spending so much time at work. It's like 14, 16 hours. My wife was not happy. I don't see my kids. I have that guilt feeling as well. So, yeah. so that, that happened. And that was also a turning point in my life because, um, I suffered a very heavy lesson. And, uh, that lesson, uh, was because of, um, a very wrong mindset on integrity, mm. right? So I, we have shared this always with our team about integrity. And that's how this integrity gave birth to our current brand, uh, Property Lim Brothers. Our tagline is real estate with integrity because um, of the past experience whereby we were looking at this business, we were looking at uh, our customers with a very wrong kind of perspective and lens. Um, in the past 2007 to 2012, we were always looking at customers as walking commissions. Mm, right? Dollar sign. Dollar sign. Like yeah. this customer is worth 10,000. This customer, if I close, is worth twenty thousand. Mm. This customer is worth thirty thousand. So, so I I think when that happens, um, the motive of doing the business is wrong because it becomes a part more of like what can I get out of this deal, um, not for the part of 
what problem and value can I solve for the customer? Right. So, mm. so the lenses were wrong. Uh, we were also doing some um, practices in the business that I think was not correct uh, because in those days, it was the cowboy days of, of real estate. So we suffered a very heavy penalty. We got a fine. Thankfully, we are, fu- we are okay. Uh, there, was no, there was no repercussion, uh, but we paid, we paid a fine. Te- technically, that fine, uh, it eroded our bank accounts to zero. My oh and Adrian. My yeah. So, so whenever um, our current agents tell us that, you know, it's very hard to, to do what Property Limbras is doing now. Uh, it's very hard to film, very hard to create content. We will share with them this experience that we started from zero in 2012, 2013. Because 2012, 2013, with three kids, a family, I have a house, and uh, we we technically started from zero. There, there were even like six months that I couldn't pay for my car installment. And, and I didn't dare to tell my wife, right? So, so that lesson uh, was a shift in our lenses, in the way how we look at customers. Um, and, uh, that was also the year that we were, we were safe. Yeah, both me and Adrian, we became Christians. After that, we came to, uh, the, a new faith. And, um, right now in Proptin Brothers, actually a lot of the values were inspired from the Bible. Yeah. And, uh, we wanted to, to run the real estate business with integrity. Mm. So that was also the year that we told ourselves that we'll dedicate this business to God. And wow. we believe that this business is given by God, but the, the brand has not evolved yet. Yeah. So, so the fourth, the fourth inflection point, which is the last one, was in 2016. Mm. Uh, we were having a drought period from 2012 to 2016 after that, that incident. Uh, but we were very happy because we, we started to, to do things the right way, treat every customer the right way. At some times we earned very low commissions, but mm. we were very happy doing the deals. Sometimes I need to do room rentals to survive, right? So, um, but that point was a great, um, I would say detox for me. It was a great uh, recalibration. And then in 2016, I think it's also partly because of the shift in the way I look at customers that mm. we started to realize that the Singapore market is lacking something. And uh, we're thinking, we're always asking ourselves, what are sellers missing out mm. uh, when they sell their properties? Uh, what are buyers missing out when they sell their properties? What kind of problems are they facing? Uh, what are the gaps that they have? And then we start to, to realize that in Singapore, it seems like most of the, the way that a property is sold is through just taking photographs and then putting it on portals. So That's we right. realize that it's like a very passive space, right. uh, mm. which works, but, um, as portals grew, which is a good thing. We still use portals today, but there are like 80,000 listing on any portal. Yeah. How does the listing stand up? Right. And, and do we want to have like a wait and see approach, uh, when it comes to help, helping our sellers? And then we just started that first video home tour with, uh, presenter format. Yeah. So that, that very first video was 2016. We sold that property in 30 days through the video. The buyer, when, when she came, she said that I saw your video while I was having coffee nearby, <laughs> uh, on a sponsor ad. And, uh, she viewed this house and she offered, right. And, and we did a second one for a condo. We did a third one for a landed. And the buyers all came through videos. And, and back then, video marketing was not heard of. It was not heard of. Yeah. And video marketing was very rampant in the US, right? So, oh, yeah. so I started looking at the US guys, you know, the realtors, they were doing the video content and all that. And, um, there were already people doing video in Singapore, but they were doing more of like a panning version with, mm. uh, music. Uh, but nobody appears in the video. Correct. Not right. a presenter. No presenter format. Mm. And, uh, we started to realize that, this is a chance for us to make the property very mobile because we can then bring this property viewing experience and we can then pump it into people's phones. And everybody was like having this thing with them, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and in the past, we used to do a lot of mailers to your door, but this is now your new home. Exactly. Right? Your mobile phone. Like Melvin is actually holding on his mobile phone for those of you listening <laughs> to the podcast, right? Right. And yeah. And that's the best way for us to, to make the property mobile. And I can decide where I want to show the video mm. on your phone, depending on where you are by mm. targeting and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so that, that, um, that involvement from 2016, 2017 started the entire space, the media production, digital marketing and stuff like that. And I still remember back then, um, 2016, 2017, a lot of our colleagues and, and friends in the real estate space, they were saying that, why do you want to go through so much trouble yeah, wow. to film, edit, put in subtitles and put in music? I, 
And why don't we just list it on the portals and sell it? Why, why don't we go through the extent? Correct. Yeah. So, How do you so, reply? And, and we're saying that we just want to see what are the ways that we can bring out the uniqueness of every property for the seller. And we just want to try this. We just want to see whether it works for our sellers. And I feel that the reason why you came up with this idea is because of the mindset shift. Yes. You think about it. If I'm thinking about my commission, I will never come up with this idea because Mm. I want to be able to sell the house with least amount of effort. Mm. Right. But because now you're seeing it as I'm solving a problem for the customer. Therefore, you do whatever it takes to solve that problem. Mm. And then you came up with this idea. Yeah. We we guess when we look back. That's brilliant. So those of you who are always thinking about you know how to innovate i guess melvin has just given you the answer right the way to innovating is to be problem focused to look for the next problem that you are motivated you are you know excited to solve for your customers and come out with all those brilliant ideas and then next thing you know you'll be a trendsetter in your own industry right Right. so now melvin in in the later part of the podcast we're definitely going to ask you a little bit more about how do you market a property right how do you do it on video how do you tell a good story so those of you listening to the podcast stay with us in this podcast because we are going to go into that in the middle segment okay now the title of today's podcast is how do you stand out from your competition Mm. and how do you um, you know become top of mind and i just want to give everybody a, a little sense of this real estate market at least in Singapore. In Singapore, there are 30,000 real estate agents. And I, I was told that there are about an average of 30,000 transactions every year in Singapore, which means that every advisor, every agent has one transaction, right? Which means it's so competitive, right? So I did some research. I found out that Property Lean Brothers, two years ago, it means 2019, 2020, that 379 transactions, okay? That's a lot of transactions compared to an average agent. In fact, a, a good agent probably will be able to have about 12 transactions, 20 transactions a year, but the team have 379. So it's very clear that you have done something right. You are standing out in this market. So please tell us, right? What did you do that make you stood out from your intense competition? Mm, I think um, like what Eric just, just mentioned is that um, the shift towards, towards the, uh, the solving portion, uh, of what are some of the key problems that sellers, um, always face. Um, so, so sellers and, and buyers has always been our key target audience, mm. uh, on the people that we want to serve. Uh, I think that shift really helps us to come from many different angles on seeing what can we add in, in terms of the value chain. Mm. Yeah. So, so we believe in this, um, aspect about, having that uh, mindshare positioning among consumers on um, adding so much intense value that the moment they want to seek help in, let's say, selling a property or buying a property, the first person that they want to think of is uh, property limber. So that has, that has always been something that um, we we emphasize a lot. So um, value stacking. Value stacking. So uh, value stacking means that... Um, is a long game. Mm. Yeah. Because, uh, in terms of the things that we're doing daily, there's a lot of, uh, value stacking, even in the content that we produce. So sometimes when we produce like an investor series whereby we, we chat about property topics, we share tips on, on, uh, YouTube and stuff. Um, similarly, a lot of people will say, Hey, why do you want to go to such extent to produce all this content that don't have a call to action? Mm. Right. So in fact, a lot of our content do not have a call to action. And uh, the key rationale is because we believe that we want to add in an enormous amount of value in the space uh, that anybody that is even not ready to to sell their property, to buy a property, they, they get um, education out of it. Correct. They, they learn get, something from it. They learn first. something, yes. Mm. And uh, we believe that is a long approach that we have and we enjoy doing that. <laughs> yeah, Because, I mean, we, we have already been doing that one-to-one with customers, like sharing um, tips, how to invest in properties, how to sell and stuff like that. But how do we do it in a way that uh, the content is evergreen? Yeah, and scalable. Scalable. Um, and I think that the key strategy is is being content-focused. Mm. Number two is that um, to always know that uh, we need to be the expert advisor for our clients because being the expert advisors then, will, um, then molds us into knowing like, you know, what is the next thing I need to learn uh, in order to, to help my customer better. And uh, we don't want to be a, a stagnation mode. Yeah, we always want to know that 
we need to be the expert person that our clients will want to seek. Um, how do we gain more knowledge? How do we do more research? How do we analyze more? How do we see things from different angles? How, how do we find out what is the best um, product type in terms of the property space to, to invest in 2021 and things like that? So, so we want to be the expert advisor. But at the same time, how do we use this um, knowledge to, to benefit more people? And, mm. and not just... Um, going about doing transactions year after year, but at the same time, creating content, uh, sharing with more people, uh, having that long game mindset. So, so I think, uh, the way that we stand out is really content driven, um, and expert advising, expert advice. Positioning yourself expert yes. by deepening your knowledge or predicting, right. looking at what's ahead in the future yep. and go figure out the solution before even your customers realize it's a problem. Mm, yeah, that's right. And, that. and, um, Talking about this uh, competition portion is that um, this, this has always been a topic in the real estate. So I think in every industry, right? People will always say, how do you stand up for a competition? Exactly, and yeah. and uh, sometimes my my own associates, they'll ask me, you know, like, oh, you see this competitor is doing this, that competitor is doing that yeah. and, and stuff like that. So, so um, our approach has always been that... Um, in, in actual fact, we, we spend very, very little time. I, I would say even for myself, I spend like almost zero time looking at our competitors. Uh, the key reason is because I've learned through the years that, uh, it is better for me and our team to focus on mental energy to focus on the customer, right? Because, because the, I'm sorry. <laughs> not sure he understands. So you have to repeat and elaborate. Okay. What do you mean by that when you say not putting mental energy on your competition and putting right. all your mental sorry, that's energy my, that's on your competition? Watch. Okay. No, that's awesome. Okay. That's okay. Awesome. So, um, yeah, putting your, I, I think the mental, mental energy is, is, is important because where we place our mental energy, uh, dictates your perspective, dictates mm. your direction for mm. your business, for your life. And, uh, I've seen this so much in 14 years, like, um, Usually, uh, business people or entrepreneurs or even realtors, if they, they places their full mental energy just looking at what their competitors are doing. That's right. Sometimes it, it, it tips the skill from success modeling towards anxiousness. Yeah. So, so there's a key difference between modeling, uh, what is working among your competitors versus having a sense of formal anxiousness. Yeah. So, so you need to know that tipping skill because modeling is a fantastic thing, right? So we, we all learn about NLP and stuff, modeling, just seeing what works and then modifying it. Or maybe how do you learn at a very fast pace? But I think sometimes overdoing it, if you're always looking at what your competitors are doing and stuff like that, it, it creates perhaps a sense of anxiousness that you also want to do the same thing or you want to catch up and, and you lose that focus on your customers. Yeah. So true. And, and some of what works for your competition may not work for you because that's we right. all share very different values. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. So the, the method might work for them, but it's using a way that will not be aligned to your core values. Yeah. So, so wow. as, as we were growing the team for the past three to four years, we have always been emphasizing month after month that let's look at what our customers need because needs are always changing. Exactly. And let's, let's look at what are the gaps in our customer service, in our videos, in our content. And what is the feedback from this customer? Have you gotten a review from them? And how do, can we do better for the next customer? So, so it has always been driving the team's mindset to look at the client instead of the competition. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what we, we believe in. This is beautiful. And, and that actually gives you an unfair advantage because you are way faster in predicting new problems because your customers know best, right? Because right? yeah. uh, they, they will tell you the problems that's and you right. solve it. Um, wow, this is fantastic. You know, personal story that there was a period of time that, um, you know, I'm also a very naturally competitive and ambitious person, right? And so our no normal way is look at what your competition is doing and then go do it or do it better. But it really created anxiety. Mm. It really, early in the morning, I, because I will follow them and then I'll look at them on Facebook or Instagram and it creates, it, there's no happiness, there's no peace, no rest. You know, and I felt like I'm just always playing the catch up game or the chase game. And even if I win, I never really feel happy about my win because I'm always thinking about what's next. It's so amazing that whatever that you focus on, right, becomes your reality. Mm. You focus on your competition, you get anxiety. You focus on your customers, you get satisfaction. Mm. My God, Melvin, I, I want to give you a big high five. <laughs> this is such a big takeaway for me, man. For, and for anyone listening to this podcast, it's amazing. 
<laughs> and by just doing, I'm getting goosebumps. Right? <laughs> hey, this is Eric here, just dropping in to check in on you. Are you getting value so far from this interview? Because if you are, I'm very happy for you. And I'm really curious to know what are some of the key takeaways. So after the interview, go to social media, screenshot your learnings and tag me, all right? So that we can connect. Okay, okay. I'm going to leave you to listen to the rest of the interview. Enjoy. Let's go tactical now. Okay, right. so we've talked a lot about strategy, okay. your inflection points. Right. I'm really very curious to know what's your creative process when it comes to marketing a property? Mm, yeah, so uh, it evolved. So it all started um, with just doing a video, right? Mm. Just doing a video, uh, being the presenter in the home tour. We were scripting our script. Uh, we're scripting what are the plus points, the USB. So we're doing like very short videos initially, about two two minutes, three minutes kind of video. And then we start to realize that not all homes are ready for filming because everybody. I mean, my home. I have four kids. That my home is always cluttered, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I was always telling my wife, you know, I I always help people to declutter, stitch up their home, make it beautiful. But my own home is the <laughs> I said, okay, it's okay because my kids are still young. Legos are everywhere. And you're not selling a house anyway. I'm not selling my house. Okay, so so we started to realize that not all homes are ready to be filmed. Um, and being on video, uh, it it shuts up. I think ten x of a home because video shows everything. Right, compared to photographs, you can edit a little bit here and Absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. videos. I mean, my guys, if they want to master out the car plate number for a landed property, it takes them like two hours just to master out that the moving frame, right? And uh, there's a lot of hard work that goes behind video editing. So, uh, we start to realize that hey, we need to help our clients to firstly declutter their home. Um, so the educational part needs to come in. And then, of course, there were a lot of, um, objections at the start. You know, our clients would say, Hey, you know, but I have kids and know how to declutter. So, so we created guidebooks, uh, share with them some videos okay. how to declutter efficiently for filming first. And then they was, they will start to ask us, okay, does decluttering have to happen for the whole three months when you market the place? And we have to share with them tips on how to, how to live, um, more minimalist for the next three months and stuff like that. So, so. This is the first time <laughs> I'm hearing this. <laughs> so, um, of course we share with them, uh, very practical tips. Mm. I mean, even if we have, we have kids, all we need to do is on the surface, not much stuff, right? Yeah. So we send them examples and things like that. Secondly is, um, we went very heavily into home staging, right? So, uh, now about 99% of our properties that we sell, um, are all done with home staging. That means it is a- What is home staging? Home right? staging means that we come in, if there are certain furnitures that we think that it does not suit the property, we remove it. We extract it. We put it in storage. We pump in our own furnitures. What? Yeah. You so pumped in. Yeah. So we pump Guys, in. this is value. <laughs> You're solving a problem for us. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So, so which is the key reason why when a lot of buyers, um, they come to see the place or yeah, when right. people look at our videos, they say, why are your properties always so beautiful? Right. So it's because of home staging and home staging is not a new thing. It, it happened, uh, in the 1980s, 1980s, um, about 40 years back in US, right? So we started in US and then the popular, popularization of HGTV and stuff like that. But it's only in the last three years that Singapore picked up, right? And then now ASEAN, Malaysia, and all this, it picked up home staging. So it is a very key component because the very key reason when you visit show flats that developers are selling, because when you buy a new launch condominium, yes. when you get your keys three years later, yes. it's an empty house. Yeah. You you get uh, the wardrobes done, kitchen Correct. cabinets, the aircons are done, but Technically, there are no furnishings, no furniture. But why is it that when you enter a show flat, it's beautifully renovated and done? It's because home staging adds such a huge visualization to the eyes of the consumers. Right. It's been proven in some some statistics that the moment a person enters into a, a home, the first eight seconds, they already emotionally and subconsciously decide, is this place for them? They imagine themselves. They imagine the themselves. And, and, and we don't want to let clutter. We don't want to let, you know, shady paint work because maybe you have lived in a place for 10 years. There's some patches here and there. We don't want to let all these small little things affect the visualization process of a potential buyer. And there's been so many properties that we sell. Um, because home staging, you need to remove it when the pro the property transaction is completed. Yes. Buyers are all very savvy. They know that the home is staged up with Oh, beautiful furniture. Okay. They, they know that they'll be buying an empty home yes. with fittings and fixtures, but they still love it because when the right furnitures are placed, 
the space expands. True. You you can imagine, hey, is this place suitable to put a six or eight seater dining? Is this place suitable to put a L-shaped sofa? And the buyers appreciate that because they feel that there's effort place in It's in precisely marketing. why I love IKEA. Yeah, right? that's right. The IKEA always give me, I mean, sometimes you joke, hey, your whole whole house looks like IKEA, <laughs> so flat, you know? But yeah. the whole idea is- This inspiration is well. Exactly, yeah. we can visualize. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So I got it. So you do the Marie Kondo, right? <laughs> and then after that you do the the uh, the staging. Staging. And what else? What and else um, so after that whole process of prep work, we call it pre-marketing prep work. Um, once home staging is done, storage is done for the old furnitures, and our owners they get to live in their property for the next three months with the new furnitures, yeah. right? And uh, and our team will come in. So our media crew will come in. Our photographer comes in. We come in do a virtual tour. Uh, which is like a virtual mapping. Uh, and then we come in to film the home tour. Yeah. So three groups of people usually comes in on the same day. We take about four to six hours, uh, photograph, virtual tour, um, and, uh, video filming. And it all happens on that same afternoon or morning. So efficient. Yeah. yeah. And then once it's done, uh, we go back and produce the content. So, um, at the same time during that period of producing the content, we start to list the property up on the portals first. Mm. Yeah. And then once the video is out, it goes onto the social media platform. We run a digital marketing campaign, sponsor ads and stuff like that. So, so the whole process, uh, involves, uh, the whole team. Yeah. And, uh, is, is about prepping content, pro- um, production. And then, uh, but before the prep work, uh, we do the storyboarding. That means we, we try to find what are the USP of the property? What is the anger in terms of research and numbers? Why what does do you it mean by ang- research and numbers? Research and numbers means that, um, we want to talk about, uh, a lot of analysis within the, the video content itself. So, so when a buyer look at our video content, they get to see the, the analytical anger. Like, why should I buy this property? Uh, in this price, right? At this price range. Mm. How are other properties surrounding this condo performing, right? Does it make sense for me to buy this property? And if I were to buy this property, what are the numbers in terms of my monthly installment? Wow, so the quantitative aspect of a house. That's right. Just the qualitative, the yes. visuals. Yes. Because, because buying property is, is manifold. Firstly, um, you, it has to make sense logically. Do you want to stay in this location? Secondly, your budget must make sense. Thirdly, you must be, emotionally connected to this property, uh, floor plan, layout, the facing, um, how many bedrooms is needed and stuff. And, and the last thing is that whenever a buyer walks out of the property, they will go back and do their homework. They always go back and analyze, check their valuations for the, from the bank, look at the money installment, see whether are they overpaying, look at the last transaction. So there's a lot of quantitative aspect that runs through a buyer's mind. So it's about putting that whole process into the video content. So that it makes it easier for them to try with you. That's right. So now, Melvin, now that you, you kind of lead the way in property videos and you have a system to doing that. And obviously I'm sure a lot of real estate agents come to you and ask for help. So we start to see a lot more creativity, mm. right? I mean, I'm sure you remember there's this is real estate agent that was singing a song That's to right. sell a property, right? That's and right. Way before that, I know someone used a J. Cho song as well. So all this is great, mm. but I like to hear your point of view, right? Mm. What, are, what are some of the mistakes that a realtor have to avoid? Mm. When it comes to marketing a house. Okay. Um, when it comes to marketing a house, uh, so, so back to the point that, um, about the video creation portion, I think, uh, it is wonderful for the industry, mm. uh, which is also the fact on why three years ago we started another, uh, production house mm. to create, uh, real estate videos for all agents in Singapore. So, so basically that's an independent house that my partner is running. It does real estate videos. Um, and, uh, Similarly, when we started that, my, my peers were saying, why do you want to start a production house that helps your competitors? Correct. Right? So that was your USP. Yeah. So, so, um, now I have two production houses. One is within Property Link Brothers that yep. only does production for our customers. The other one is that, uh, that production house is an independent house that does it for the whole industry. Correct. Right. So, um, my mindset has always been, how do we create more impact in the things that we do? Like, um, even when I'm doing this, how do we create impact in different ways mm. and not just in my own business, but how do we do that for the industry in a, in a, in a whole sense? Yeah. And I think we will definitely evolve into everything video in two years time because 
because it's a natural phase for marketing, right? And uh, Seth Godin always says that marketers spoils everything, right? So <laughs> because when something works, everybody wants Start to it. do it. Yeah, and it's natural. It's a natural process for businesses. And so my mindset is that I always tell myself, let's adopt a very open mindset. Mm. Um, it's great because having more people doing it, it also gives us a, a form of self-check on how can we do it better. Yeah, you level up the whole playing field yes. for everyone. Yeah, and we will just constantly do it better and better. That's what we tell our guys. Um, back back to the question is mistakes. that what, what are some of the mistakes that uh, I think realtors will want to avoid is that the very first uh, thing that I've noticed is the mindset and the back motive for wanting to do the video. Right. So, for example, if let's say you're helping your client and uh, your client requested that you do a video home tour, um, I think the very first uh, mindset that we need to adopt is that, am I doing this video home tour truly for the sake of helping my seller to sell this property or I'm doing this video home tour in hope of attracting new customers? Oh my God. Yeah, because there is a lot of mindset behind this thing so when i was doing videos like starting from three four years back a lot of my peers come to me and say hey Melvin, i also want to do video you know so i, I will give them tips i share with them how to do do you need to put in subtitles what kind of music do you choose what kind of scene do you where do you stand and all that kind of stuff so uh, but i realized that um some of the 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 mindset back then that people had was that i want to do a, a very good video because I want to attract new customers. And the motive was not to sell that home. And I realized that the moment you have this wrong perspective, either the home won't sell, or you will not do a good content, or in the long run, you will lose out. Mm -hmm. Because if your motive is truly just to sell that house, I can share with you that the video will look fantastic because you will think of ways and means to bring out the plus points of the place. Correct, because your focus is the house, not you. Yes, and your focus mm. is to let the house shine. Correct. Right? And the focus is really to, to make sure that a buyer is attracted to this house, that this house will sell. And so your creative angle will come in from there. Uh, but if you are placing your creative angle on attracting new businesses, then you'll be placing a lot on you. Very true. And, and you feel stressed doing it as well. Very yeah. true. So, so I think that's the very first thing. Second thing is that I think um, to look at I, I think it's that performance anxiety. I mean, especially if somebody's doing video for the first few times, they always will have a, a form of performance anxiety about how people look at them. Right? <laughs> what will my yes. audience and friends say about the video in Correct. the comment section? Um, how will people think of me? And I think when you look at the lens, the camera lens where you are filming, if you can imagine you're talking to a real person, to a real buyer that's physically coming to view the place, I think you will do well. Right, because you're just like talking to a buyer that you have been doing it for so many years. You've been selling properties for so many years. You just try to imagine you're talking to a real person. That's one. Number two is that doing a video home tour is hard work. You have to prep to memorize the script, memorize your key points. You have to go through the edit with your editor. You have to be there. You have to sweat. You have to, <laughs> after that, there's so many edits that round that you have to, uh, ding dong a little bit with your, with your own creative. And then the video is out. And when the video is out, just the content, you have to spend money to make sure somebody sees this content. Correct. You've yes. got to advertise it. There's a lot of hard work. And I think this is a good thing. So, so a lot of realtors feel stress, mm. um, about doing videos because they're very stressed about this whole experience itself. But I wish I have them that what you are doing is a good thing for your customer because you're doing a huge extra step. Yeah, over and beyond. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about what people talk about you because end of the day, you took the extra effort to create a content for your client. You're mm. doing a good thing for them. You don't have to be fearful about what other people are talking about you. Whatever comments or nasty comments that comes in about your English and stuff. That's right. I mean, even today, I have broken English and stuff and I always have nasty comments here and there. But I think end of the day, if we can just remind ourselves that you're doing a good thing for your customer, that's you. you'll be fine. Right. And, and it's more, it's a lot about how you think, how you internalize that. That's why the mindset is so important. It's right? very important. Because yeah. if I put myself first or I care a lot about what people think about me yeah. more than care about what people think about a house, then those critics will affect me. That's right. Because my starting point is already wrong. That's right. This is so beautiful. I yeah. think that your advice doesn't just apply to realtors, but really any one of us who needs to be on the video. 
that are, the intention is so important. Am mm. I really creating this video to educate, to elevate, to encourage, or am I really just using this video to self-promote myself? Yes. Right. Yes. I think it's super important. Mm. Now, since we're talking about self-promotion, right? Do you think that personal branding has a place in the real estate industry? Because, mm. you know, one of the common conversations I get a lot is that, oh, no need. We just need to make sure we focus on creating a good marketing video, sell the property enough already. People don't really care about the property agent. Is mm. that really true? Mm. What was your thoughts? Yeah, very good question. I think um, in the being, a, being as a realtor in the real estate space, the realtor is part of the product. Yeah, so I was just sharing this story about... Um, me buying my first car with my team, right? So, so back then when I mm-hmm. exited from the prison service as a prison officer, me and Adrian, we went to buy the same car. We, we, we <laughs> went to buy the same Toyota Vios, right? Um, that, that incident of purchasing my very first car taught me a lot of things because as a consumer, I walked into a Toyota show flat, Bono Motors, I still remember. Um, I, I walked up, I walked up 45 minutes later. Because um, the salesperson allocated to me was... Uh, and back then, because I was very young, I was yeah. like 26 years old. Um, and uh, I, I wasn't so so bulky. Like, I was a little bit more thin and stuff like that. So when I walk in, <laughs> I got a feeling that that salesperson um, didn't really treat me as a customer. In a sense that he was like thinking, can you really afford a car? Yeah, exactly. He yeah. did what a lot of people, what you mentioned just now, which is people see human beings as a dollar sign. How much yeah. are you worth? Yeah. And I'll treat you according to how much I think you can bring it back, bring the money back to me. That's right. And, that's what and, and, and after that experience, it was like, I was asking questions, yeah. not really answering me. It was one word question and stuff. So I just felt that the level of customer service is very low. And um, I exited for the, sh- for the show, show flat. I went back to the same show, showroom, uh, Bono Motors one week later and I specifically asked for a different salesperson. Yeah. So, so the manager allocated me a, a lady, as you remember, the lady was, um, was in her forties, right? Mm. Cus- level of customer service is perfect. And it is like, she is really so enthusiastic. She, she don't even care that I'm wearing Bermudas. She <laughs> don't even care that how much I earn. She was just sharing with me everything about every car. And I buy, I bought the Vios from her. And when I was uh, filling out a form in, in one of the, the table, the manager kind of asked me, you know, how, how, how was the experience everything? And, and I happened to find that she, she's a top sales here. There you go. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's so important because at the point of entering into the real estate industry, I realized that the salesperson actually forms a huge component of the product because I might not go back to Borneo, but I really wanted to buy that Vios because that's all I can afford, right? And I might just change to Nissan, for example, because of the salesperson. And you can, can you imagine if I were to go to Nissan, Borneo would have lost a customer for their car because of the way the salesperson behave mm. or the way uh, that the salesperson look at their customers. Mm. So I, I realized that salespeople, they're actually part of the product. Because there's been so many times that um, uh, even when people buy houses, they are being turned off by the behavior of the person presenting the home or maybe they're offended in a certain way on how you answer questions and things like that. So so coming back to personal branding, I think the very first thing is to realize that we form part of the product that we represent. We form part of the, the house that we're helping our sellers to sell. So personal branding is definitely important. Uh, personal branding on social media, of course, is, uh, what is important right now. And I think, uh, it depends on what aspect are we, are we dabbling into. For me personally, I have, I'm naturally not a social media person. My account was dead for so many years. <laughs> <laughs> it's only when we started Property in Brazil that I realized the power of social media and mm. we want to use this platform for good for our customers. And that is also the time that I started to dabble a little bit, be a little bit more active on my own personal accounts. And, and I realized that end of the day is definitely important because nowadays, because everything is, 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 um, is so fluid, transparent, is all connected. Consumers want to know who are the real, who are the real people behind the, the, the realtor, yeah. right? They want to know where, what I see on screen. Is it the real people? On your daily life, are, exactly. are you the, are you the same you, right? Exactly. Or, or are you putting up a front, right? So I think people also want to know who are you as a real person. You know, um, 
how many kids you have, what kind of lifestyle do you have. So I think more or less is important, is connected. Um, for me, because naturally I, I'm an introvert, right? So uh, I'm not very active extrovertedly. I, I would say that I'm more of a situational extrovert. Right? So, um, and, uh, yeah, so, so, so basically I think personal branding is important. Uh, and the most important thing is to be the real you, whether in business or in, in, in your own personal space. So true. That means at the core of your personal brand is your authenticity. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and what makes you stand out? at least for what I learned from you today, what makes you stand out is when you put your customers first. Mm. And that when you put your customers first, they will return the favor and put you first. Mm. And this is beautiful. My biggest takeaway. <laughs> now, so we're wrapping up here. Right. Um, I'm really curious to know, you know, Melvin, there are, you said this, right? There's so much information out there on, on, on YouTube, you know, on how to be a good realtor, how to market a property. Mm. But I'm really curious, why is it that not everyone has catch on yet? Mm. Why, why, are, why, why has the level not gone up mm, mm, yeah that's, that's that's a great question um i think there um a few different key points maybe i can i can summarize into three different components mm. uh the the future of real estate is evolving so quickly um in fact it is it is an escalation of what has happened in the past mm. right? so in the past if i talk about content Basically, all we can do is limited to what can we print on mailers. That's true. That's your content. Uh, if we talk about distribution, it's about how many mailers are you able to send to households? So that's distribution. So if I escalate now to today's contact, content is so beautiful because you can do it on static photographs. You can do it on videos. And that's content creation. And distribution now has been so beautiful because there are so many social media platforms that's where right. you distribute your content. I think... In order for somebody to do very well in the real estate space is firstly to adopt the marketer's mindset. Yeah. That means, um, we are not just transactors because in the past, real estate agents has always seen themselves as transactors. That mm. means they are transacting deals. Yeah. Are, like a broker. Yeah. They are a broker. Yeah, a but now it has evolved into a marketer kind of mindset. That means as a marketer, if you put on and adopt that mindset, how do you see things differently? How do you see a property differently? How do you market it creatively? How do you infuse solutions to solve it? Uh, for example, if let's say this property has a very odd layout, how do you come up with uh, new floor plans after you discuss with the architect, the builder and stuff? How do you, how do you propose it to the buyer to help them to visualize, hey, you know, if you spend 50,000, that's what you can do with this house if you buy it later. Mm. So, I think the adoption to be a marketer's mindset is very important. Secondly is, I think we are shifting into a very analytical mode because um, going back to the first part of just being a transactor, Correct. that will be disrupted eventually because when everything comes on full stream um, with tech, internet of things, things like that, the transactor mindset will be disrupted. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you do not put on a, and a mindset as an analyst, um, as a researcher for your customer, um, to provide data, to provide, um, perspectives on how you see data, like, you know, based on statistics, should you, um, invest in this project or this project? Mm. How will this project likely perform in the next three to five years? So I think it's being the marketer mindset. Uh, secondly, is being the, the analyst mindset. And I think, um, the third thing that is very important at the core is that, uh, I think we need to have the patience because patience is a great killer for realtors. <laughs> why, why do I say that? Yeah. Because we have been through that ourselves. Like, uh, in the past, when we see this agent doing well, um, maybe in, in this space, like this agent is doing so well selling Sentosa properties, right? We also want to do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then we see this agent doing so well selling shop houses, right? We also want to do it. And, is about hopping here and there that you don't have a core. Yeah. And I think it's, it's about having that level of patience to develop your niche, develop your core and, uh, letting as many people know what are you good at? How can you help them solve that problem? Letting your key audience and community that you always talk about yep. know how can you really value add to them? So, so I think it's having that patience to develop that core. And uh, most of the time, a lot of realtors, they like to hop around mm. different markets. Uh, they like to hop around different audiences. And through hopping around, 
maybe after five years or eight years, they don't have a niche and people don't know what they're good at. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's about playing that long game, knowing that whatever you do today, you will sow the seeds two, three years later, having that patience to sow that seed. And, and marketing and business is, is a lot like a farming game, right? Mm. You're just, we're all like farmers. We, we sow seeds without having the assurance whether the sun will shine tomorrow, exactly. right? And it's about sowing that seed now, having the harvest one, two, three years later. Yeah. But trusting the process that if you're always doing good for your customers, yeah. you know, you'll end up getting more in return. That's right. Now, as a follow-up question, right? Because mm. I, I think a lot of young people are going to be listening to you and mm. they will appreciate what you said. Because what you're trying to say is, as an analogy, is don't be a small fish in a big sea, right? A big sea represent, represents the entire market opportunity, mm. but it's to be a big fish in a small pond mm. and to dominate and to find a niche. Question then is, how how can they find a niche? Like, let's say, now let's reverse the whole process. You yes. came into the industry 14 years ago and people just said they did it out of luck. Yes. They say, go talk to your manager. Yes. So let's flip the whole question around. Now, yes. if I'm a new agent yes and i come to you and i say melvin coco you know mm. tell me what how can i find my niche let's yeah. use that as a last question how sure. would you help them sure i think uh fantastic question the the very first thing is that in the first year try everything yeah so so the very first year is about exploring trying everything so we we did everything i mean we did room rentals we did um uh, shops we did retail space we did like um hdb apartments we're selling so many hdb apartments condominiums small size big size landed properties factories it's like we did every single thing uh and we we took a very long road yeah so so new realtors don't have to take our road because we we dabbled and we were exploring so many different markets for like a good 10 years yeah so uh i think the very first thing is that in the first year explore everything Find out what is, uh, firstly, the key audience that you enjoy serving, right? The key audience. Secondly is what is the type of asset type? Which, what is the type of property type that you enjoy doing, right? And you have a passion about in terms of finding that USP for that particular type of property. So for example, if you love to do commercial properties, what do you love about the commercial property? Like, like what kind of angles and, and is it because you, you love, the way that people can invest, uh, without ABSD or, and stuff like that. Or, or if you really love landed properties, is it because you appreciate architecture? Mm. You like the different types of landed property in different parts of Singapore. And, uh, I, I think it's to really explore that during the first year. And then by the second year or maybe the third year, if you have not found is to take a leap of faith to go into that particular niche while you are, um, slowly I would say weaning off the other parts. Yeah. Mm. Because I think end of the day, consumers are looking for experts. Yeah. So true. Specialists make more yes. money than generalists. Yes. And, yeah. and, and they're looking for, for example, if I have a landed property yourself, who, who are the landed property experts that I can engage? So true. If I have an office space in CBD, who are the office CBD um, experts in, in the real estate space that I can engage? They, they are looking for that specialist. So I think taking a leap of faith to go into that niche is very important. At the same time, of course, it's, it's difficult because you need to survive while you form that niche. And so balancing that and building systems along the way, uh, continue to do that lead gen. But I think that the leap of faith must happen. But of course, a leap of faith takes wisdom because you have to make sure that this niche has that amount of transaction and volume mm. uh, in the market. Right for more longevity. That's true. Yeah. So I, I think it takes a combination of wisdom and and faith and things like that. So beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I mean, I just want to, on behalf of all the young realtors, thank you that you know you did not choose to be like those people that you met and you you step up and you change and you level up the field. Um, you know, as a final question, mm. what's what's new for you then? You know, what's your next step for yourself? Um, so twenty twenty one um is all about um. How can we continue to, to do micro innovating, uh, micro innovating in terms of looking at the entire process that a client on board with, uh, PLB till, uh, the completion of, of selling their home successfully? Mm. And how do we continue to elevate the whole experience, plug any gaps that we see? So we call that micro innovating. Uh, macro innovating is about, how do we have a broad-based approach for the entire local real estate market? So, mm. which is the key reason why we set up our PLB Insights team. So, it's a research arm within our team that uh, we have specialized people to analyze data 
come out with research papers every week and then how do we use that to value add to our consumers on a broad-based approach looking at you know 2021 2022 what are the, some of the places that we can invest in what are some of the properties that are picking up um the, the capital growth path or mm. where are the rental place and things like that so that's macro and micro uh on a people's basis this is is also the year that we are rapidly uh growing our people internally uh also looking for like-minded people to join our team because we, we want to expand and we believe that expanding with like-minded people in the sales team in the media production team it creates more good value for our customers yeah. so so we believe in in continuous um growth yeah and putting in a lot of time on training our people making sure that customer service continues to to do better and better yeah picking up that the analysis mindset to our people and uh training everyone to be marketers mm. marketers and analysts and yeah so 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 that's the three things we're doing busy 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 busy, <laughs> busy, busy <laughs> like yourself busy. with the intention of serving your customers and now the industry as well mm. And that's brilliant. That's beautiful. Yeah. I just want to thank you, Melvin, for taking your time to have a chat with us. Thank you. you know, thank you for having me here. I'm sure a lot of listeners would love to get to know you. Sure. Where's the best place to reach out to you? Just, just uh, go to our YouTube channel, Property Limb Brothers. Uh, we're on Instagram, uh, same Property Limb Brothers. My personal IG is Melvin underscore Property Limb Brothers. So very easy to find us. Yeah. <laughs> very easy very to easy find easy you guys. I'll, I'll go to our website, PropertyLimbrothers.com. Right. And for those of you in Singapore, <laughs> if you're looking for someone to market your house, I think you now know who you to pick. All right. Thank you so much, Melvin. Thank you, Eric. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.